What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shafe Daily Live. As tonight, we're talking about that first game of a homestand. I hear those have been tricky for the Cardinals in the past. Took them a while, right, to get that first win of a series so far, but uh, that was not the case tonight. 18-1 to over the Milwaukee Brewers. I believe we're talking about a 10-run eighth inning for the Cardinals tonight. As I pop over to the box score, yikes. 10-run eighth inning. This game was all Cardinals even before that happened, though. And to me, I know 18-1 to is the the headline, and the, the bats really came to life, batting around, and then some. I think they sent 13 men to the plate there in the eighth inning. But the big story of tonight is the one that developed over the first seven innings of this game. Jack Flaherty looking back as back could be with seven shutout innings for the Cardinals. I think they've maybe had one outing of a guy that's gone seven this year. Y'all can check me on that. I think maybe Jordan Montgomery did it once. Uh, it's been a rarity, regardless of of the frequency. It's not been something you've seen all too often from Cardinals starting pitchers this season. We've talked a lot about the fact that the rotation has been a little bit of an eyesore when it comes to the performance through the first, you know, five, six weeks of the season. It's starting to come around a little bit, though. You got Miles Michaelis with the six-inning shutout outing. Uh, didn't strike anybody out, right? But uh, had had a really good outing for the Cardinals. I may have said shutout. I can't remember if he did give up a run or not. But uh, no Ks in that outing. I recall that. But a good six-inning outing for Michaelis. And now Jack Flaherty tonight with, I think, the most dominant we have seen a Cardinals starter all year. That is probably uh, a fair thing to say about what Jack did tonight. Ten strikeouts. The 10th time in his career, I believe, that he has had a 10-strikeout game. But he was locked in after that first inning. A little bit of a, a, a struggle to get things started. Four-pitch walk to lead off the game. Loaded the bases in that inning, but does what he has so often done this season. Getting out of it with a ground ball double play. And the story between Jack and then Wilson Contreras behind the plate. To be able to have that kind of performance in the first game back behind the plate for Contreras, who has been through the ringer a little bit over the past 10 days or so, I think was very meaningful for the Cardinals to get that kind of outing from that kind of pitcher, who, as we've talked about, leading up to the season, back in spring training on B-Shape Daily, Jack Flaherty is the guy in this rotation that can have that type of ceiling, that can be a true dominant ace. Not to take away from any of the other starters, but Jack is the guy with the raw talent off the charts in the prime of his career to be able to do things like we saw tonight. And it was very good for Cardinals fans, I'm sure, to see Jack get it done. Again, seven really strong innings. Innings two through seven. If you take away the first, I believe he threw eh, 22 or so pitches in the first inning, loaded the bases, got out of it with a uh, ground ball double play that, by the way, was hit by William Contreras, the brother of Wilson, and so if there's anybody that Wilson should be able to call pitches against, it would be his own brother. He dialed up the right one to get the 5-4-3 and get out of that jam. But innings two through seven for Flaherty, as good as we've seen him all year, obviously, but honestly, as good as we've seen him in his career. Like when Jack Flaherty in 2019 was doing his thing, early parts of 2021, you could even look October 2020 against the Padres there in that playoff series. Jack Flaherty tonight that we saw was as good as we've seen him, I think, throughout his career. And it's what he'll be looking to replicate moving forward. Like, he had those two walks. They were both in the first inning. Didn't walk a guy the rest of the night. Had maybe two base hits that he scattered throughout the re remainder of the game. He was fantastic. Lowers the ERA nearly a full run. And so, uh, a fantastic outing by Flaherty to sort of counteract the 10-run uh, the outing a couple of weeks ago. 
which I think was, as we kind of maybe have found out, uh, maybe not definitively, but it certainly seems as though that was the beginning of all of the trouble that the Cardinals had when it came to a decision around Wilson Contreras, what the path forward would be. Uh, they they sideline him from catching duties. He didn't make another start after that 10-inning outing. He came in uh, to a, a relief outing, uh, I think, in that uh, that one of those games against Detroit. Um, I may be conflating here on, on what the timing on all of this was, but I think that's right, that he mostly uh, didn't didn't play and, and came into that, that maybe it was that Friday night game uh, for like an inning. And after that, he didn't make another start, and Saturday morning was when they kind of announced it, and it was like, okay, this is uh, this is troublesome. What is happening with the Cardinals right now? But they work it out, and tonight it couldn't have been better to have Wilson Contreras back behind the plate, to have it be with Jack Flaherty, uh, there's a lot of talk about the conversation that went on in Chicago between Flaherty and Wainwright and Ollie Marmel with Wilson Contreras. Uh, Wilson saying tonight that, you know, that conversation was was good for him to be able to be in the middle of because he felt like, and, and I'm going to paraphrase Wilson here a little bit, it's not that he wasn't being himself, but that was a conversation that really allowed them to understand who Wilson is and what he's all about. He felt like he was... He was Wilson now, and those guys can understand me and understand who I am, what I'm about, and how much he cares, he said, is something that shined through in that conversation, which, again, he said, it's not that I wasn't being me before, but I feel like they got an opportunity to be vulnerable with one another and to, like, lay it out all on the table and have a have that kind of uh, communication barrier, if there was one, drop off the, the face of the earth and open things up for the Cardinals franchise catcher to get with two of their uh, veteran most starters and lay everything out there. I think it was clearly a productive conversation. And Jack Flaherty, we know we've talked about his post games and different things that he said, and I promise I will be getting to the comments here in a moment, but I wanted to kind of dive in with some first thoughts on the Flaherty performance tonight, which was fantastic. Uh, there's no there's no other way to put it. He was excellent for the Cardinals tonight, especially innings two through seven after he he was able to uh, get out of that first inning jam. Cardinals get a home run from Arenado, and then he has the shutdown inning in emphatic form. I think a couple of strikeouts in that inning might have struck out the side. Ten in the night, fantastic performance from Flaherty, but it was just really interesting to get Wilson Contreras' perspective, to get Jack Flaherty's perspective after the game as well, with the different things that have kind of popped up over the course of his last two couple of uh, post-game interviews Tonight was a different Jack Flaherty. Nothing bombastic about it. In fact, I, I, I found him to be really humble about the whole, you know, the, the, the success. He was not in there flaunting, ready to, you know, nothing like that. He was very humble and deflected credit over and over again to Wilson Contreras. Again, I think it was important uh, to, to the team probably and to Flaherty as well to be able to do that and say that Wilson called a great game. I don't think he was blowing smoke. I think they were really legitimately on the same page. But the other aspect of it that there's nothing Wilson can do to help Flaherty to this point was he had command of his fastball. And I think that is where it begins and ends with Jack Flaherty. Uh, the off-speed pitches and the breaking stuff and the curveball and the slider, like those are the put-away pitches that he can uh, navigate a game with. But if the fastball isn't locating the way he wants it to and he can't pinpoint it, those other secondary pitches are going to fall a little more flat. Even if the quality on those pitches is good, there's something to being able to, as a pitcher, get the hitter on their heels, not necessarily being able to sit on any of that off-speed stuff um, because they have to to protect the plate on all corners when it comes to the fastball 
He did a great job of working the top of the zone, bottom of the zone. They kept it down, which allows you to then change some eye levels on your hitters. Uh, Jack Flaherty had everything working tonight for the Cardinals. A credit to him, a credit to Wilson Contreras for the job they were able to do. But the bigger picture, and we will talk, I'm sure, about the offense, is, is people in the comments will want to talk about Nolan, both Nolans for that matter. Uh, and maybe we'll get a little love for Kiz, who had his first career Grand Slam go yard tonight to uh, to cap that 10-run eighth inning. But I think for Jack Flaherty, uh, this was a big moment in time. And the question moving forward is if the Cardinals can have that version of Jack Flaherty or even anything close to it, because nobody's going to go out there every fifth day and do that every time other than, I guess, Jack Flaherty from 2019 in the second half. But realistically, for him to just be locked in as the, the Jack Flaherty that we've seen when he's at his best, for the Cardinals to be able to add that to their rotation, what does it do? Well, honestly, and this is going to sound maybe a little premature for a team that's still eight games below 500, but the way I look at it is something like that means that the Cardinals just don't have anything left to fix in the immediate future. They don't. The offense coming up with timely hitting in multiple games, really all three games over the weekend against Boston uh, to be able to get that series sweep. They got the series win in Chicago through uh, a nice performance all around by the offense, and then to be able to bring it back to Bush Stadium where the Cardinals were 6-13 and 13 coming into tonight on the season, and they put up 18 runs. It's really not about the 18 so much as it is the first eight because that was really what, what set this game apart and said, all right, the Cardinals have won this game even before you get into the latter innings and even before James Nail finishes it out with a couple of uh, you know, garbage time at that point innings um, based on the way the score had had brought them to that point. The fact that the Cardinals were able to score in three different innings before you got to the craziness, I think is what the case was there. Uh, they lead off with Arenado. They come back with a shutdown inning by Flaherty to say, hey, we mean business tonight. And then they get uh, an RBI from, I believe it was Goldschmidt that drove it in the second inning. Just a really good all-around performance. You could not have drawn it up any better, especially when you consider James Nail, the only reliever that the Cardinals need tonight. How wonderful is that, that they're able to get another day of rest for the bullpen, a bullpen that we've talked about as having been relatively taxed by the lack of consistency and the ability to navigate deep into ballgames from the starting rotation this year. That just wasn't the case tonight, as Jack Flaherty was as good as we have seen him. So, Welcome into the stream. That's my spiel. Let's get into your comments here momentarily. I would just like to remind you guys that uh, you can follow B-Shave Daily on Spotify. The audio-only version of this podcast will be up on Spotify tomorrow. Apple Podcasts should have it as well. Appreciate you guys for doing that. And if you would like this stream, we can get it up to 20, 25, and beyond. would appreciate that as well for those who haven't done so yet. And subscribe to the channel because uh, the way we have it set up, that is the way you will be able to comment in the live chat as many of your fellow Cardinals fans are currently doing. So go ahead and throw me a sub. We're here, I'm not going to say every day, because there's going to be days coming up soon where I won't be doing live streams. But we do a lot of these. We plan to do a lot of these throughout the summer. We plan to have a lot of Cardinals talk that isn't live streams. It's just videos. It's Cardinals stuff. If you appreciate that kind of content, I would love to have you on board. And uh, subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. It, it, it's great to have you. And by the way, anybody who subscribes and is brand new, Comment that you're brand new and tell me what's up because I, uh, I I like to welcome the new folks when they join. So appreciate you guys. Quick sip and we're right into the comments because I'm sure you all have a lot to say tonight. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, Caleb is going to kick us off. Flair and Wilson are the next Yachty and Wayno confirmed. Uh, well, we know that Wilson's going to be here for the next five years. Uh, I think he's got that no trade. I think he's uh, I think he's locked in for a good long while. Jack Flaherty is a different story. Um, you know, he's he's a free agent to be after this season. I think he's really, uh, you know, I, I think he does like St. Louis and, and for all the talk of people saying, oh, he wants to be in Los Angeles or he wants to be somewhere else. I think he I think he gels well with this team. He likes this team. It's a lot more fun when everybody is winning and doing well, right? And so I think uh, that there there could be interest after the season about bringing him back. But right now, it's just one start at a time, I think, for Jack Flaherty. And uh, then, then he'll handle that conversation and what the free agency saga is going to look like in the offseason. We know the Cardinals, if they don't bring him back, are going to have to find a way to replace his spot in the rotation. Could do that internally. That's kind of an off-season conversation, or at least uh, later in the campaign. But I, I would, I would at least say this, Caleb. Uh, I think it's confirmed that you'll be seeing Flaherty and Wilson a lot more this season, which was maybe a question mark as of a week or so ago, when it just wasn't really clear what the Cardinals' plan for Contreras was, and we never really did get, I think, a full answer about it. If you saw Bob Nightingale's story for USA Today, he had put in there. And, and, you know, didn't source it or anything, but Bob Nightingale, obviously a connected guy. But he said the, the you know, what he had the impression of was that the Cardinals pitching staff basically said they didn't want to throw to Wilson Contreras anymore this season. And so some things I think were said behind the scenes, whether it was as simple as that or more complicated, uh, clearly there was some miscommunication, or I might even just say bad communication going on between the Cardinals pitchers, between Contreras, and those those. Gaps had to be bridged in one way or another. And I think we have gotten to a point where that has taken place. It was good to see Wilson kind of talk a little more openly about, uh, you know, the way the way that conversation in Chicago really was able to be something they could build upon. They could all get on the same page and understand that, you know, for whatever the, the opinion about Contreras was, off the field, on the field, whatever it was, uh, they all got to see that side of him that they needed to see to know that whatever the pretense was, it's kind of hard to get a handle on exactly what they were all feeling and thinking. It's great to see Wilson Contreras and how much he cares and how much he wants to win just like those guys do. And I think that was the takeaway. And so they're moving forward, Caleb, and I think uh, Cardinals fans will have the luxury of doing so as well. It was so important that they had this start tonight because imagine how it would have gone if things had, had gone the other way. If uh, Flaherty goes out there and you look at what he does in the first inning, pitch count is high, walks a couple of batters. Yes, he's able to navigate it and get out of it, but let's imagine he has three or four more rings just like that and maybe coughs up a couple of runs here and there. If it's a, a five-walk outing where he doesn't get through five innings and gives up three or four runs, suddenly we're going, oh, man, more of the same with Jack Flaherty. Is there going to be another conversation about Contreras and whether he can call a game for this team? You know, what's the situation? No, that's all gone. And I I understand the record is not completely gone. The Cardinals are still eight games under, and that's a factor. But they're six and a half games back of the Brewers. They are even less than that out of a playoff spot. The Cardinals are going to be just fine, I think, is uh, the, the, the emphatic statement that was made, not only over the past week, but to be able to go back home where you have struggled so far in the year, 
and do it tonight against the division-leading team. I think the Cardinals put the Brewers on notice tonight with the way that they performed in every facet of the game uh, to just absolutely slug the crap out of them, but also to show that, like, from a pitching standpoint, the Cardinals are also a, a force to be reckoned with if a guy like Jack Flaherty could go out and be that guy every fifth day. A huge, I don't know if I even would say sigh of relief, but it's a step forward at this point where the Cardinals can kind of be playing with the confidence that they have been developing over the past week or so in, in this winning skid, skid, the streak that they're on now, right? They uh, they lose the final game in Chicago, but they win two of three there, and now they're riding four consecutive wins. They're doing against uh, doing against the team that they need to do it against because you don't play the Brewers and, and anybody else in your division, for that matter, as much as you did in past years because of the balanced schedule. You only get them 12 total times, so you want to take advantage of each and every one of those opportunities and look, the Cardinals needed a stretch like this to be able to pull closer to 500 to make people believe again, to make them feel like, all right, this was just a bad dream in, in April and early May from this team. And I really don't know how you could possibly doubt that at this point. All right, Arenado is clearly back. Four home runs, four games in a row, home runs for Arenado. Did it at Fenway. Told me tonight that, yeah, that's a, a great place to hit for him. Um, but to be able to come back and do it at Bush do it against uh, the Brewers and do it in front of the home fans is something that's uh, very critical as well for the Cardinals and their success moving forward. So I think you don't have to worry about Arenado anymore. The numbers are uh, much improved. Uh, take a look now. Yeah, 736 on the OPS. He's going to be back above 800 before you know it, going two for four tonight, or two for three tonight, I should say, uh, with the four runs driven in. Just uh, really good stuff from Arenado. That home run he hit would not have been a home run at Fenway, I don't think. I don't care what the uh, the Would It Dong Twitter account that you might see on there that'll tell you, oh, would it be a home run in all these other ballparks? I would say absolutely not tonight because it would have hit the Green Monster for sure. A low line drive off the bat of Arenado. First inning, get the vibes going to begin the homestand. That's what the Cardinals needed. And then, you know, for good measure, they scored 10 runs later on in the eighth inning. So, uh just some pretty impressive stuff from the Cardinals to be able to do what they did tonight. Not only with Jack Flaherty, which I still think him and Wilson Contreras ends up being, uh, for me, kind of the headliner of this entire thing, but to score 18 runs and, and and have me say that's not the headliner of the night, you know that something significant happened. So great to see from Jack Flaherty and the Cardinals, but the offense, man, I think fans are excited to see that as well with the home run barrage. Uh, Trevor says needed a statement win and a Jack shove job. Two boxes checked with authority. Yeah, and to do it against the Brewers, again, like, does anybody look at this Brewers team and think they're particularly scary in terms of the roster? Like, what's scary about the Brewers right now, related to the Cardinals, being honest, I'm just giving you my opinion, is that they're six and a half games ahead. They've got a head start. But they don't have the roster that the Cardinals have. Top to bottom, I really don't believe that they do. They've got some decent hitters. They've got, you know, Christian Yelich, obviously, uh, their leadoff hitter for the most part. He's got a 765 OPS as we take a look at it on the screen, uh, the screen here. Uh, Jesse Winker, they traded Colton Wong to get Jesse Winker back into the NL Central, try to recapture some of the magic that he had with the Reds there a couple of years ago. But, uh, you know, 622 OPS, he had a couple of hits tonight, but that's not performing at a, at a high level. Adamas is, has been one of their better hitters. He's their middle-of-their-order kind of guy. OPS is below 700 right now. Uh, Rowdy Telez is probably their best, most impactful power threat and uh, had had a nice night tonight. Cardinals couldn't get him out. Two for two with uh, a couple of walks. 
His OPS is 873, but look up and down their lineup. William Contreras, the brother of Wilson, nice player, solid hitter. Uh, You know, Brian Anderson. Like, they just don't have the depth of the threats in their lineup that I think the Cardinals do. If we click over here, Newt Barr is going to OPS, you know, 850 or above this year, I have to imagine. And imagine if he starts hitting with power consistently. Still sitting on three home runs, but he goes two for four tonight. Scores four times, walks twice. His batting eye is elite. Lars Newpar, uh, just an absolute bonafide stud as a leadoff hitter. You couldn't you couldn't craft a leadoff hitter in the skill set that Lars Newpar has any more favorably to that role. He does it so well. Did strike out a couple times tonight, but the OPS is pushing 900 now. He's an on base freak quite honestly, and he could end up scoring 100 runs. Like, I don't think that would be crazy to see from Lars at the top of the order. Okay, Goldschmidt is Goldschmidt. I mean, <laughs> two for three tonight, a couple of ribbies, reached base uh, four times. He's he's going to OPS 900 or above, you have to figure. Uh, Gorman is pushing 1,000 with his OPS after a career-high five RBIs tonight. We go down the order. Arenado, we've talked about what he's done. He's going to OPS above 800 and probably more like 850 as long as this – little streak he's on right now can can push him closer to 800 he only needs a couple more days of this uh to be able to really be right there in the line of fire so again i don't think the the brewers have a single hitter that's arenado at the plate i honestly don't telez is really good uh and 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 more of a a, a, i say one-dimensional power threat i think i looked in his average you know 256 you kind of are going to sit him around there and he's going to hit 30 bombs and that's that's great arenado is just a more complete hitter uh, Contreras, you know, for as good as things went for him behind the plate tonight, didn't do a lot at, at the plate going over four, but he's going to be a 750 or above OPS guy when it's all said and done. DeYoung is still OPSing above 900. Tommy Edmond had a great night, four for five with four runs scored, had the home run for good measure late on. I don't know if he will OPS 778 for the season. That's where he's at right now after tonight's, uh, really great outing from him offensively. But if he's a 750 or above OPS guy, that's your nine hitter most nights. I mean, the Cardinals are just top to bottom better than the Brewers offensively the way you look at it on paper. And we know these games aren't played on paper because if they were, the Cardinals would not have lost as many times as they did in April. However, I still feel like now you see an offense that's coming around. I have said however many times on this stream on B-Shape Daily, for those who have followed me for a while, you've heard me say it. The Cardinals have the type of build offensively that could lead the league in runs scored this season, and it wouldn't surprise me. I'm talking about all of Major League Baseball. 18 tonight will definitely help pad those stats a little bit uh, as they as they pursue something like that. But again, if they start to lock in offensively, it's going to be dangerous for uh, the other teams in the NL Central. And we talk about the pitching as well. That is important. That's a, an important aspect of this. I still say the Cardinals are built like a team that needs to slug to win. But if you get an ace out of Jack Flaherty, which I know, premature to say this after one start, the ERA is still above five for a reason. Although I would say take out the 10 run outing because that is such an outlier and it's going to do so, you know, so many unfortunate things to uh, your ERA as a pitcher. Take that one out and what what are his numbers? He's probably right around Jordan Montgomery, honestly. And Jordan Montgomery's been solid. Miles Michaelis is getting better and better as time goes along. His numbers are going to begin to reflect that the longer he pitches well. And so, you know, you've, you've got to factor in Steven Matz, Adam Wainwright as well. But you just start to see things turning around. And so when I look at Flaherty doing what he did tonight and saying, if that continues, what does this team really have to fix? I know as I, I got to get rid of the facial hair. It's just too much. Um, with the other guys in the rotation, 
yeah, there there have been some anchors kind of dragging things down, but Mats hasn't been one the last two outings. Flaherty has only pitched, uh, or I should say uh, Adam Wainwright has only pitched twice and has given up four runs each time. But I think overall you're going to end up having Flaherty be at worst a, a solid middle of the rotation type of arm. Maybe others don't have that belief in, in uh, Adam Wainwright as of right now, but that's kind of where I sit with him. So if Matt's is getting a little better and Wainwright's going to come around and Michaelis has certainly gotten better and Montgomery has been their best pitcher outside of an outing here and there. Um, I, I, and if you have Flaherty added to that mix, suddenly the rotation looks a lot different. And I know people are not going to like to hear that because the next time somebody gives up five or six runs, it'll probably happen this week. We're back talking about the struggles, uh, struggles of the rotation. But I think you can at least look at over the past week or so, even though there have been some short outings by guys like Michaelis, they haven't been able to get very deep. Flaherty's wasn't that great in Chicago. They're coming around as a group to where just the terrible outing, they're going to be more few and far between. And it, at least they're going to have these outings where they can keep the, the team in games because at times they really haven't kept the team in games. They've had the outings where they give up four runs in the first and suddenly your offense doesn't have that sense of confidence that they have a chance to, to even bother with it tonight which is human nature to, to kind of get behind the eight ball and feel like you've got to do it all and you press and it's an ugly situation to be in. I think the Cardinals have been in that situation several times throughout this season. And Ollie Marmel talked about tonight, the shutdown inning from Jack Fleury, not only to have a shutdown inning where like the definition of that is you score runs and then your guy goes out there and shuts them down. They don't score, but to do it in the way that he did, how much confidence does that add to an offense that says, Hey, let's add on for this guy because we're vibing tonight. Like that's the the type of um, tone that a starting pitcher of Jack Flaherty's caliber, pitching the way Jack Flaherty did tonight, can bring to the table and set for the rest of his teammates. And so he does, and then immediately Paul Goldschmidt doubles in uh, whoever the hell he doubled in there in the second inning to just keep the vibes rolling. The Cardinals scored tonight in four different innings. They uh, got the the runs there in the sixth inning where Nolan Gorman punctuates that inning with the bases loaded double. Up and down the lineup, really good things. Kisner with the grand slam, too. I just love that he got that against the position player uh, in the eighth inning. Like, at a certain point, I was thinking, all right, we know the Cardinals won this game. I'd like to get home at a decent hour, do this stream, finish up the writing I've got to do and get to bed. So maybe the Cardinals, you could just like let this one go. But as it's going along and it's getting to be, you know, they're batting around and this is pretty cool. At that point, you're like, all right, they're bringing in a position player. Kiz has to to send him send him deep here. And he did. Got that grand slam. He's now close to 700 on the OPS. That doesn't hurt. They all count, baby. They all count. So I was happy to see that for Andrew Kisner. Um, but you just got to feel really good right now if you're a Cardinals fan. Don't look at the record. Like looking at the record might make you feel a little bit sour again. But I just think with the way the last week, eight days now have gone, you can just look across the roster and see so many signs of things improving compared to where they had been. And even though the record is what it is, the fact that nobody else is running away with this division, like that's what's so important right now is to win the Central. Uh, To do that, you've got to be able to catch the Brewers, right? I don't look at the Pirates as a threat. The Cubs could be sneaky. I'm not going to count them out of the playoff hunt, uh, but I think maybe wild card at best, and they've got to have a lot of things go their way. But when you face the Brewers, you've got to take advantage of those opportunities right now and do it as quickly as possible. Like, this is a great time on the schedule for the Cardinals to be facing Milwaukee, honestly, because they've come off this road trip where they played so well, and you can try and capitalize off of that. I know the Brewers swept the Royals over the weekend. I get that. 
But the Brewers are the one team that I think you've got to be able to show like, hey, we're a factor. you got to worry about us. Hi, we're the Cardinals. Like, that's what I feel like they did tonight. They put Milwaukee on notice a little bit. And now it's going to be a matter of can you close it out, not only with a series win, but like a series sweep would go a long way as well to, A, making the leader of the NL Central basically be a 500 team at this point. It's not a strong division. The Cardinals, I think, have the best roster in the division. But the closer and the quicker you can make that gap disappear, the more it becomes easy to have confidence about the way the the rest of the season could go. But they're not playing like a team right now that knows they're six and a half back. They're playing like a team that's right in the mix of things and expects to be. And that's the difference that I think we've seen over the past week or so. Aaron says, man, if only they could score more runs. Uh, Yeah, 18 was... uh, (laughs) That's your allotment for the series, right? Like, you need to not have a situation where you say, oh, save some for tomorrow. No, go back tomorrow and attack Wade Miley, uh, the type of guy that the Cardinals should be able to solve. uh, You know, soft tosser, all of those aspects. But don't take anything for granted. Go out and grind the at-bats and uh, do it again tomorrow. That would be the way that I would uh, prescribe for the Cardinals. But... Yeah, 18 runs was impressive. Blue Jays Rock wants to know if Nolan Gorman could be an MVP candidate if he played every day. I'm going to say no. And the reason for that is because I don't know if playing every day, playing against lefties, is necessarily going to be the thing uh, that that vaults him. Because, I mean, I think he should play against lefties at times, too. I think the Cardinals should find a way to integrate that. But with this roster in 2023, can we just be honest about the fact that it's going to be tough? especially if you want Jordan Walker back at some point. If you want, you know, you, you expect to probably get Tyler O'Neill back. Right now, you've got Dylan Carlson on the mend a little bit. We may see an IL stint for Dylan Carlson. Kind of remains to be seen, um, but, I, you know, that that wouldn't necessarily be a surprise um, just to give him, even if it's only a weak injury for seven days, it's going to affect him. You can just go IL for 10 days and make sure he's fully healed by the time he comes back after spraining his ankle um, over the weekend. I believe that was Sunday night's game against the Red Sox in which, he left that game early with the sprained ankle. But, you know, for where the Cardinals are right now, you've got Nolan Gorman in there against righties every day. You know that's going to be the case. To put him in there against lefties, I think, should happen because we've talked about it kind of stunts your development as a potential, you know, perennial all-star kind of offensive piece that Nolan Gorman can be. It stunts his development if he's not able to face lefties regularly uh, for multiple years at a time. Like, they, they protected him last year. He's the captain of the the platoon team this year with the way that they're using him, clearly kind of keeping him away from those lefty at-bats for the most part. Would he be an MVP candidate? I guess the numbers right now dictate yes. Like, if I think he's going to OPS 979 and homer at the same rate that he has, he's going to homer well over 30 times in that case. He's going to, you know, be near 1,000 on OPS. Probably going to drive in, you know, even as a a 70% player not playing against lefties, drive in close to 100 runs to check out where he is right now in that category. Like, I I understand the question. I just think you can't assume that his numbers against lefties would be exactly what they've been against righties because there has been some deficiency there in the moments that we did see him against lefties last year. Now, do I think he's a much better hitter with where he is and the progress that he made in the offseason? Absolutely. And there does come a point where you just have to play him every day. But the Cardinals are built in such a way that they can afford kind of not to because there are other guys that, uh, that that can mash lefties, and you want to be able to stack your lineup in those days. And so I'm not entirely sure if the Cardinals are going to find the room in their lineup, at least this season, to do it regularly. 
But, like, okay, Wade Miley tomorrow is almost a perfect example. A guy who doesn't throw super hard. Like, Nolan Gorman should be in the lineup tomorrow. I think it would be almost a disservice, disservice to him not to have him in there. Um, because, again, it's a factor of can he get the development that he deserves. The Cardinals are trying to win now, and so that's a factor. You have to try and balance two things at once. I understand and recognize that that can be uh, a difficult thing. But I think at the end of the day, it's one that the Cardinals probably owe to him to eventually allow him to have that development. So we'll be interested to see, I think, tomorrow if that ends up being something he's given a chance to do. Again, find the lefties and pick them strategically for when you get Gorman involved would be the way that I would phrase it. I, I think it is Wade Miley tomorrow, right? There's no there's no better guy to do it against uh, than to throw him in there. But we'll see what they end up doing. 33 RBIs, though, as you see there on the screen. Um, and 120 at-bats. Like, yeah, I shouldn't have answered so emphatically in the negative when it came to the notion of Gorman MVP candidacy. Um, but I'm just focused on all-star bid first because that was my bold prediction for the Cardinals season. And uh, you know what? I like being right about stuff. So that would be kind of cool to see him do that. Um, but yeah, it, I get the notion of wanting to have him against lefties. The Cardinals don't seem to want to talk about it a lot right now. Um, there's a question by Benjamin Hockman asked tonight of Ollie where he kind of slid in there. Hey, do you think he could do this against lefties and righties? And, you know, didn't answer that part of the question, uh, but focused on the good things that he is showing. And so, yeah, eventually it needs to happen. If your guy is good enough to bat third on a given day, you think he would at least be good enough to bat in the lineup on the other days. So we'll see if the Cardinals allow it to happen. MVP candidate, I guess the numbers, if you bear them out, Blue Jays rock would dictate that. But um, I, I think he would fall off a little bit in the overall numbers. Wouldn't be quite as robust if he had even a you know a 600 or 700 OPS against lefties, which would be great, um, but it would definitely drag his numbers down a little bit. So it's hard to question to answer, but there's no doubt that the things that he's doing right now are very impressive. Uh, like the stream, guys. I appreciate that we're up to 34. Let's get it up to 40. I believe in you, uh, and if you believe in me, we can do some magic together. And uh, if you want to subscribe to, to the stream and to the YouTube channel, uh, Brendan Schaefer, St. Louis Cardinals writer, is the title of the channel. Would appreciate you doing that. And the bonuses, you would then be able to chat in the live chat with all of your fellow Cardinals fans who are celebrating tonight's win. That's a statement win, if I've ever seen one. Says Asher, all caps. It's a statement. Milwaukee's got to know what's coming, and it's the Cardinals. <laughs> and Ryan says, that's the last place Cardinals. Thanks for coming out, Milwaukee. That's a good old uh, thanks for coming out, Dan Evans, if I've ever seen one. And that's a joke for two people, and only one of them are in the stream right now. So, uh, Allison stayed awake just for this. Uh, I appreciate you for doing that, Allison. You are a star. And is Jack back? Jack was absolutely dealing tonight. We see from Asher. Uh, Allison, I, I, I think it's premature to say he's back after one start, but it is certainly encouraging to see that version of him. And if you see it for even one more time, I'd be willing to say, guys, look out. One time I say... It puts you on notice. Keep an eye on what he does his next time out. Um, but remember, that 2019 season when he was so fantastic, it didn't happen at the beginning. He was sitting around like a, I don't know, high three, low four ERA, I think, at the beginning of July, and then absolutely turned it on. I think it was a start out in San Francisco. And from there, he was off the sheet, fantastic the rest of the year. Uh, Gibson-esque over that second half. Add a couple more starts of looking like he's looked, and I would say we could be in the midst of seeing Jack at his finest once again. He's always maintained that, yeah, that was great, that second half of 19, but that's what I believe I'm capable of when healthy. And so 
You know, he had those couple of years where he wasn't healthy. It started in 2020. It wasn't a health issue then, but a factor of the Cardinals just trying to keep him healthy. Uh, you know, it backfired a little bit. They didn't get the most out of him until later on in that season. The rhythm was off. I think that was true for a lot of people back in the COVID era. Uh, but then 21, 22, just going through the different injuries and not able to contribute in the way that he he knows that he can when healthy. Um, this year has been different. Like, I think he's fully healthy. Uh, you can talk about the velocity. That was the big talking point the last time for him. I don't think we saw any Jack Flaherty in the, the upper 80s tonight with the fastball. He was pumping low 90s and, and touching like 95, 96, I want to say, uh, was the peak of what he was able to do tonight. So the velocity on the fastball was not an issue. Yes, he wants to dial back and add on as time goes on, and that was kind of what he said in the last time when he was a little touchy about talking about the velocity. But let's be honest. If you have the ability to pinpoint and command it at 92, 93, you're not going to ever throw it at 88. That was a product of him searching for it as he's had to. But now if you're able to say, hey, I'm going to sit 92, but I'm going to pump it to 95 or potentially even a little bit above that when the situation calls for it as well, that's a Jack Flaherty that's going to be pretty unhittable. Because again, the off-speed stuff and the breaking stuff is going to play off of that if you're pinpointing and locating your fastball. And his fastball does have some good ride to it. It's got movement to it. And that at times has been, I think, what's made it tough for him to command it all the time. Because if it's moving in ways that you don't necessarily anticipate and you're missing arm side, as he often is, has tended to do when he's not quite dialed in, like those are things that can happen. Uh, I feel like that was less of a factor tonight. And then it just exemplifies in your other pitches. Guys can't sit on that stuff, and it's just going to be impossible for them to be able to figure on a, on a given pitch what you're trying to do to them. He pounded the strike zone, just a ridiculous rate of strikes after the first inning. I think he threw more strikes, or I should say more balls than strikes in the first but after that, it was, I don't know, 80 85% of strikes. It was something uh, pretty special from Jack tonight. And that's the way the Cardinals need him to be if they want to end up not only getting to October, but doing damage when they get there. That is a game one starter type of outing that you got from Flaherty tonight if you're the Cardinals. Uh, Aaron says, if you have a cat, I think it should make an appearance. I do. I think she's upstairs, though. My wife has gone to sleep, and typically she'll saunter in sleep on the foot of the bed like the good kitty that she is. But, uh, yeah, that, that I think it's back there. That's her cat tower that she uh, likes to look out the window at. So she's great. And uh, like I've said before, if anybody knows the name of my cat, bonus points to you. Um, and, and if anybody eventually says, hey, I know it, I've, I've, I've heard you say it before, and this is what it is, then I will tell the story of how the naming of the cat came to be. Um, my hint would be, Somebody hearing the name of the cat might just think, oh, what a homer. This guy's not a real journalist. That's my one hint I'll give you. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think she's going to come down tonight. Asher says, side note, Waka just blew a no-no, eight and a third. That sucks. I knew he was deep into that game um, with the no-hitter going. The guy can't catch a break. I remember when he was real close. I think it was like one out away one time for Michael Waka. I think I remember being at the uh, Mizzou Student Center watching that. You hate to see that, but you also like to see him pitching well, right? Everybody, I think all Cardinals fans, you, you root for Michael Waka, uh, even though he's not with the team anymore. Uh, always a good guy to root for. Uh, Connor says, what's up? Christopher, usually during a game like this, I hope we don't lose one nothing tomorrow. But then thought, no, they need a statement win against the Brewers with an offensive thumping and an excellent start by Jack. Yeah, it's only one game, but you got to be a little demoralized if you're Milwaukee after one like that, right? Like I would have to imagine. Uh, Connor says, damn, walk on my fantasy team. I didn't even know. Yeah, well, 
congrats. You had a nice outing from him tonight. The Cardinals now have a better run differential than the Brewers. Oh, it's always with the run differential. Before this game, the Brewers were 30 runs ahead of them from Lego Chicken Guy. What's up, Lego? Yeah, I mean, you go 17 in one direction, 17 in the other, and that is a gap that could be uh, tidied up rather quickly. I believe the Cardinals have a positive run differential now, despite still being eight games under. But, uh, hey, is what it is. And Connor said, unfortunately, though, it is the rules that the Cardinals will now be shut out tomorrow. They shouldn't be. I mean, if we can be honest about it, they shouldn't be. Um, let's see if we can get a little bit of uh, Wade Miley action on the uh, on the analytics uh, switch analytics site that I like to use. Uh, what are we on here? May sixteenth. That is today, but for this, it'll say tomorrow. Let's see if we can get a little action. I I kind of want to know, like, what have the Cardinals done against Wade Miley, and can we expect them to maybe have a good day tomorrow? My internet is so slow, it's unbelievable. I'm not giving you props right now, T-Mobile. Actually, let me take that back. For those who are on the stream a couple of nights ago and you saw it just go kerput, I don't believe that the issue was the internet so much as it is my computer. Uh, and now I'm getting no response. And so if this ends up just being a, a bust, it's a bust. This is what I deal with, man. But I don't, again, I don't think it's my internet right now. It's my computer. My computer is a problem, and uh, I, I, it's not even that old, but it, it just the trackpad doesn't want to respond. Things are rough. I'll try to get back, uh, get back to things rolling here in a minute, but I don't want to lose the stream entirely, so I might have to really buckle down on what's going on here. Uh, yeah, this is nice. This is not a good, uh, a good advert for T-Mobile, is it? It's not a good advert right now. For what's going on with that. Come on, we're so close. I see Wade Miley in the background. It's the computer, though, guys. I apologize. Um, we'll get it back, though. We'll get it back going. No, I don't care about that. I want to look at this. There we go. Hopefully that was not too uh, tumultuous of a ride to find what's going on there. All right, scrolling down, scrolling down. Let's find a little Wade Miley action for the Brewers. This could have been a lot better. Jordan Montgomery going for tomorrow for the Cardinals. You saw that flying through there. I know I didn't pass him. There we go. All right, we got uh, Contreras has some decent numbers against him, it looks like. OPS and close to 1,000. Arenado's hit him well. Goldsmith's hit him well. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason the Cardinals don't thump this guy tomorrow. Uh, Paul DeYoung, even with a little bit of a OPS action there, 500 slug against him. Um yeah, Kiz is, has even done some, uh, no, two for seven. And Tommy Edmond. So pretty good. Pretty good stuff there against Wade Miley. I feel like, yeah, the Cardinals should be able to lock in tomorrow and uh, have another game like this. So I'm predicting it now. The Cardinals will not be shut out tomorrow. I know that is typically the way these things go, right? Uh, when you, you have a game that you score 18, they say the next day, you know, don't waste all the runs in one day. Well, maybe that's what they did. I think that's not what happened. I think that uh, tomorrow they're going to be fine. How about that? Visual tedium. Gorman laying off the high heat, then hitting bombs is so good to see. Yeah, I've talked about this before where in the press box, sometimes we'll play the game of you can call yard on one pitch per game. And I used mine on Gorman's 3-2 pitch that he hit the double in, I think it was the sixth inning. Um, because I felt like if you get Gorman into a baseload situation where he knows he's getting a strike because they ha they can't pitch around him, there's nowhere to put him, Nolan Gorman has the advantage in those spots because he's such a good, pure hitter. He's a, a power threat. He's ridiculously talented at the plate. 
and you know what's coming basically at that point, yeah, good luck to the pitcher in that situation. Um, but to set up that situation, he was able to get into the full count because of the ability to lay off some pitches. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, the home run that he hit later on, the game was out of hand by that point, but you like to see it, don't you? Career high, five RBIs in the same game for Nolan Gorman. Um, and, and Connor forgot to snap a pick of the Gorman card that he has today, but uh, get to snapping, my friend. Send it to me, at for 12 on Twitter. Um, Aaron, do I tune into Prospects After Dark when Kyle does that? I think I should do a Kyle appearance, a guest appearance, and it should be After Dark. Uh, he'll have his shirt off if it's After Dark, which does scare me a little bit. Yeah, I've jumped into uh, to Kyle's stuff before. Um, I haven't recently, I haven't seen it fly across my screen recently, so I don't know how often he's been doing them. Um, but certainly I've, I've enjoyed hopping in the comments section from time to time on that. And still to this day, B shape daily is the podcast that I do guys. And I'll have guests on very rarely. Um, one time I had the battle Hawks kicker on there, like a couple of years ago, like uh, typically it's easier for me to just do it myself because it's at odd hours, but Kyle's the guy who will, will probably come on at odd hours as well so maybe that'll work out but to this day the most listened to episode of b-shape daily when i look at the analytics is, is a kyle episode that we did uh spring training i think this year so yeah he's he's a fan favorite for sure and uh if i could figure out how to do a live stream with another person i think i'd have to get like a, a subscription to Streamyard or restream and brandon kiley of 101 espn has told me i need to do that anyway uh and he's probably right so when I get the technical stuff worked out a little bit more, Aaron, I would say that'll be when I start to uh, maybe try to see about having some other folks on um, because I know people would enjoy hearing somebody besides me talk. Believe me, I, I would enjoy it too. Uh, Asher declaring it's Kisner season, everyone, and a happy Kisner season to you and yours. I agree with that. Uh, wasn't eight and a third, but through seven for Waka. Still pretty good. Um. They needed Kiz in the lineup, clearly. People are talking. Was Contreras debacle all about Kiz's offense? You joke, but that's what Ollie Marmel said initially. Like, before the big blowout happened on Saturday when the cat became out of the bag and they said, we're, we're not catching Contreras right now, the reasoning that Ollie Marmel gave for why Kisner was playing so much was that they liked him in the matchups against lefties. And it was like, if you would look back, the eight starts or whatever previous that he had – more than half of them or something were against lefties. So there was maybe some validity to that at the time. Clearly, there was more going on with Contreras. Will we ever find out the extent of it? Probably not the full extent, but I think it's clear there was some communication issues between him and the rotation, and there may have been guys who said they didn't want to throw to him. That was what Bob Nightingale put out. I don't know if that was a, a rotation-wide or a pitching staff-wide mutiny. That would be pretty pretty crappy. But I do think there was some validity to communication was not as good as it could have been. And it feels like moving forward that has been addressed. And Contreras comes off as a really genuine guy. He really does care. He wants to win so badly. Um, it's it's a wonder they weren't able to bridge that gap a little sooner. Um, but, hey, it's in the past now. It's happened, and I think the Cardinals are going to be better uh, for it. Now, all that being said, they could have handled it so much better as a team with the way they explained it, with the the, the planning and the, the communication with Contreras that they were going to do it that way. I'm never taking them off the hook for that. It did. It was a debacle that didn't need to be. It didn't need to go that way. Um, but the messaging was so downright abysmal that it ended up turning into a national story. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. But here's the important part, and it was the entire time. The important part was 
It doesn't have to define the Cardinals season. And it can turn out for the better that they take 10 days or so. And I always thought it was going to be a short stint like that. I didn't think it was going to last. I had told you guys on an episode that it would shock me if within the next two Wainwright starts, he didn't get at least an outing. And the idea that he wouldn't be the regular catcher before the end of May, I figured it would be uh, less than a month that this would be an ordeal. It ends up being a week and a half. And Jack Flaherty comes out front and center and says, I want to be the one to catch him first. I think that was an important optics move after maybe the optics of having Wilson banned from catching shortly after that 10-run outing from Flaherty, where Flaherty, after the fact, had made the comment uh, to the effect of the rotation, the pitching staff right now are throwing pitches that don't make sense. That was maybe the smoking gun from that post game that he had uh, on May 4th against the Angels when he gave up the 10 runs and two and a third. But you could have read that as Flaherty just being hard on himself and the rotation saying they're not executing pitches, and you'd be right. But an alternative reading of that was, yeah, kind of threw his catcher under the bus if he's saying they're throwing pitches that don't make sense. Um, there was obviously some communication going on, right? It's better now. I think the Cardinals can move on from it. Right now, all they have to do is fix the losing record that was created by some of the, the trouble they had early on. And it wasn't just that, I think, plaguing this team. The runners with scoring position stuff was bound to bounce the other way in their direction. It has begun to certainly do so now. Uh, but the team you saw over the last eight days, if you're if you're telling me that's not the best team in the NL Central, find me the roster that is because that's sort of what the Cardinals we thought could do as of really that first series against Toronto. I thought, yeah, this team is good in all aspects. The pitching may be a little suspect in the rotation, but I think it's enough to get them by if the offense keeps performing like this. I think this team lost confidence, honestly, in April, and now it's really it's really turned back the other way that there's reasons to be confident about basically every aspect of this Cardinals roster right now. So it's really good the way things are going, and uh, we'll see if they're able to keep it up. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. That's a great quote from uh, a great point from Lego Chicken Guy that the Cardinals had their first 10-run innings since the. Uh, game five of the 2019 NLDS against Atlanta. Yeah, that was an impressive day. And this one felt not quite like that because it wasn't in the playoffs and the game had already been decided. But it was an, an emphasis and, and proof of concept of what this Cardinals offense is capable of doing. They can be relentless. And they've got a lot of dudes in that lineup, one through nine, that can do it. Um, good to see. J-Rose said they absolutely raked today and J-Flair looked good. Finally, huge game. And Connor loves Kyle Reese, which you should. He's a good dude. <laughs> Trevor says that Monty needs to go eight tomorrow. No, he doesn't need to go eight, but it would be pretty nice to see, right? Because then you can look at it and go, all right, I can see the writing on the wall a little bit of the fact that this Cardinals team does maybe have more in their rotation than we thought. Like, that would be a nice sign from Monty tomorrow. He's got to bounce back from his last outing. It doesn't have to be eight, but if it could be six and, and fewer than three runs, the bullpen's very well rested at this point. You can go with your top flight arms in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. I think that's the recipe tomorrow. If just get through six if you're Montgomery, get back on track. And it's sort of like a pass the baton situation now, right? Like 
we haven't seen that from the rotation much this year. I kind of asked Jack Flaherty tonight if his start can be one that can jumpstart that sort of situation uh, for a rotation that hasn't, you know, locked it in until this point. And he said, well, Miles really started that yesterday, which is fair. Six innings that were good for Michaelis uh, in that one. But I think Jax was the first that you could really look at and go, this was the kind of dominance that the next guy goes. I want to try to replicate that. And that's what the Cardinals have really been lacking. So uh, we'll see if Montgomery is able to pick up the baton and, and maybe get a little bit of, uh, you know, we've seen those competitions internally. It's not really a competition, but it's the starter the next day saying, I want to do what the guy did yesterday, but I want to be better by just a little bit. And you're, you're able to keep rolling that way. And with this offense, it's almost going to feel, if the Cardinals can accomplish that in their rotation, I'm telling you, it's going to begin to feel like it's too easy for this Cardinals team. Um, it may not happen that way. The rotation may struggle. And I think if it does, that'll be the thing that sets them back. But I think the offense is in a spot where it can continue to build on some of the momentum that it has built. The at-bats just feel night and day different from where they were at, at times during uh, the struggles of April and early May. So keep taking good at-bats. Good things are going to happen. Um, Aaron says, does the combo of DeYoung's resurgence and Mason win at AAA make Edmund a trade asset if a team with pitching likes him? I guess in theory, but I wouldn't trade Tommy Edmund. I think he's important to what this team does. So, no, I would. Again, it's going to make sense because you guys are just doing the roster math at that point, but that is not a way that I view it. I think he's an important part of the Cardinals winning games right now. And I, I like if you're getting a superstar pitcher for Tommy Edmund, which I just don't know that that's. I just don't think that that lines up with what other teams are going to be willing to or, or looking to do. I get the question. Right now, it would surprise me. I don't think Tommy Edmonds is the kind of player you trade. I think he's the kind of player you build around, and they've got him team-controlled for several years to come. Uh, so, no, I think he's, like, Gorman, I get, is a power hitter that, you know, a lot of guys aren't. Tommy Edmonds homered tonight, and he hit his sixth home run of the year. Tommy Edmonds is on a pace right now to certainly clear 20 home runs, and that is... I mean, Tommy Edmund hits 20 home runs this year. I don't know. And I get that his defense has been lesser. And so that might hurt the wins above replacement metric. But he's going to, over the course of 162 games, be a good plus defender in the middle infield wherever he plays. Even though he's kind of been, I saw that he was like negative defensive run saved earlier in the year. He's a good, he's a good fielder. And over the course of time, that will show up. And so for me, if Tommy Edmund's hitting 20 home runs, that's a five or six wins above replacement kind of player, at least even without gold glove defense showing up day to day. And I think the gold glove defense will be there for him ultimately. So yeah, I get the question. I think don't, I'm not saying pump the brakes on Mason win, but just like let him develop and the Cardinals, if he gets here and he, he's ready, that'll be a conversation. But I just don't think it's a, a one to really have at this point. And Connor says, I hate to trade Edmund. Yeah. So do the Cardinals. He's not on the block. They're not looking to move him. So, and DeYoung, keep in mind, he's not going to be here next year. Like, I, I guess that's a mean, we have, mean way of saying that. If he ends up OPSing 900, the Cardinals would be foolish not to want to want to keep him. But I just feel like he'll trail off a little. He could still have a very good offensive season. But then you look at it and go, all right, it's a club option that's kind of prohibitive. Um, I don't know if it's $20 million or what it is, but it's probably more than they're going to pay Paul DeYoung, right? And so... He ends up becoming a free agent. Mason Wynn may be ready at that point to be a big league shortstop. Edmund, despite the fact that he's done nothing wrong, really, except for have a really good defensive effort at short and, and hit the crap out of the ball this year like he has, 
Um, he probably gets boxed into second base again. Nolan Gorman switches off with him and plays a lot of DH as one of the team's best hitters. Like, that Cardinals team is really good. Paul DeYoung, I think the Cardinals love what they're seeing from him. But because there have been stretches like this in the past, I think the team internally would be a little more wait and see as their attitude. And if he does it all year, then you do have a conversation because he's a player they like. He would like to be here, I'm sure. And then it's like, what do you do? Um, that gets a little tricky. But I think for right now, it's just let's see Paul DeYoung week by week do what he's doing. And if if that ends up being a conversation at the end of the season, it's a huge, awesome thing that maybe most people didn't expect. So I don't think you trade Tommy Edmond is my my short version of the long stuff I just said. Aaron, Aaron mentioned something interesting. He says, I like that Jack had that connection with Bob Gibson. It makes me root for him extra. And like, that's something that's when you talk about free agency and stuff that like is not lost in this conversation that Flaherty had those connections to the Cardinals and, and like what it meant to be a Cardinal and learning from guys like Bob Gibson that I'm not saying he'd never want to come back. Um, it's just, it seems like it's been a rocky tenure for the last few years. Kind of, not similar to DeYoung, but similar in that, like, the Cardinals want to see Flaherty, I think, do it for a full season. And then if he does, they'd love to have him back. But then he'll have the leverage to maybe say, yeah, but I could probably get a lot of money from someone. So are you going to to match my value? And that'll be a conversation. But yeah, rooting for Jack Flaherty is easy to do when he's pitching like he did tonight, no doubt. Um, J. Rose says if Monty gives us six plus of solid pitching, solid bullpen offense can produce, that's a series win tomorrow. And then it becomes really important to sweep because if you get the first two, you're within five and a half games, a sweep means you take a seven and a half deficit down to four and a half, right? But if you don't sweep, then you're back to where you are right now at six and a half. So just the swing that that third game could be if they win the first two it does a lot. It does a lot to guarantee that you win while simultaneously guaranteeing that your chief competition in the, the central can lose. Um, that would be huge, but yeah, got to win the second one before you win the third one. Connor says that Cardinals fans are a bipolar bunch and you sure are. Uh, y'all sure are. But when you win as many games as the Cardinals are winning right now, it makes sense to be happy. Um, so yeah, J Rose says that Jack is far from Gibby. There's no comparisons. That's not what he, he meant. There is a connection with the relationship that Jack and Gibby had um, that I think was being referenced there. Yeah, I mean, he has not had the longevity or the dominance of a career of, of Bob Gibson, but also, like, nobody has in baseball history. Uh, there's a few, but Bob Gibson's one of the best. Uh, Asher, you did call Jack Wash last night. Eat those words. Uh, I was wrong on that one, LMAO. Yes, you were. I like that you were the one to bring it back up. Uh, Brent says, seeing how all the guys were praising Wilson, getting the ice bath was really cool. This team loves him. Uh, the ice bath happened. I kind of missed it, but I heard people in the press box talking about it uh, like right after, and I kind of looked down. I was typing a tweet, and so I didn't see it. But I do believe that was a thing that occurred. And, yeah, rallying around Wilson Contreras is an easy thing to do. I mean, when you look at the way he's played the last week with the job DHing, pissing off Kenley Jansen, getting him off his game, helping the Cardinals win, from the, the position he was told he was going to play as a hitter only, and then to to catch a gem tonight from Jack Flaherty, I mean, that is vibes. It's a, We're living in a vibes economy. I keep saying it, and this was uh, the vibe the Cardinals needed to say, all right, it's not like the team had a question, but as an outsider watching it, you go, you had a great road trip. Can you play well at Bush? Can you show the fans at home what they've been watching on TV? 
And the answer tonight was yes. And so I, I just think they're going to continue this run right now um, because you look at every aspect of the roster. They, what are you going to fix? What are you trying to fix right now about this team? They just have it rolling in a way that didn't even seem possible when they were in the throes of it and everybody wanted them to fire the manager. Remember that, like, if, if you're one of the people who was saying that, what do you think now? I'm still getting comments from people like, still fire Ollie. Like, this is going great, but fire Ollie. I'm like, are you joking? Give me a break. Get a grip. Uh, I get the record is bad, but I think at the end of the day, you're going to look back at the fire Ollie talk from the beginning of the year, and I get that there was some things that weren't going well. They were losing a lot of games, but I'm almost, if they if they can finish off the Brewers and have a really good series win, perhaps a sweep, I'll be ready to talk about all the early season angst as past tense. And, I mean, within the past couple of weeks, there have been times where people were looking at and talking about it on the stream and going, you know, stop saying it's early. This team is cooked. It's crazy how quickly things can turn around. They still have a ways to go. I see the record just as well as you do. But I don't have to, I don't think as a Cardinals fan, you worry anymore about, well, they need a 96 win pace to get to 84. Like, who cares? That pace stuff, it, I, when you're going bad, it's a problem. When you're winning every day, it's like, yeah, the pace, they're on 162 game pace this week. So what's it matter? Like, I just think it's going to be a situation where the numbers with the number of winning streaks that they're going to probably put together, I think it works itself out. But what I will say is the quicker you can get, that historic winning streak to get to 500 to like truly legitimately wipe the slate clean is really important. Um, but what are they now? Six of seven. They're on their way. They, remember, guys, they were 10 and 24. I was still saying, you know, the season's not over, but I acknowledged that time was going to be against them. With what they've been able to put together within the past few days, in the past eight days it is, Time is no longer against them. I mean, they're within striking distance already within this division. They just can't backslide. That's the key. And starting pitching can set the tone. That can be the thing day-to-day that say, hey, even if we come into a, a game against a tough Corbin Burns on, on Wednesday or whatever the case might be, no backsliding for the starting pitching. I think that can be what sets the tone and keeps it there uh, for this Cardinals team. We'll see what they're able to do, though. It's a big one tomorrow. Everyone's big right now when you're playing the Brewers. There's no doubt about that. Connor said, I made a preseason Cardinals wins over 88 and a half. I assume you meant a preseason bet. And I'm going to be real mad about the first month when they finish at 87 and win the division. Yep, that's probably what's going to that's probably what's gonna happen, man. Like, 88 could still be tough to get to. Um, but honestly, I don't know what I don't know what the live total would be, what they would say in, in on, on these those sports apps and sports books and stuff. But like, I still say this team is handily getting into the mid-80s. Um, and, and probably above, you know, I don't know if I would tell you right now, they're going to win more than 88 and a half, but 85, 86, I, I would be surprised if they were below that, um, long way to go to get there. They got to win a lot of games, but like you just, just talking to the players tonight, like Wilson, the, the energy he had Nolan Arenado dude was back to his like hyper Nolan self. I asked, I asked him a couple of questions after the scrum had kind of broken up with him and I had, I had asked him, you know, like, I prefaced it because you don't want to you don't want to tell a guy like he stinks or he was bad. Like no one knows what he was doing, but I prefaced it saying like you had taken some better at bats leading into the Fenway series, which is true. I, I had been saying on the stream that he was coming out of the slump, but to hit it Fenway Park, and I don't remember exactly how I phrased the question, 
But my point was that big green target out there in left field, does that kind of open you up and, and, and allow things to come a little more easily? And he agreed with the premise, but then, you know, I said it was nice to be able to pitchers park, come back tonight, proof of concept, keep it going. Nolan Arenado is back to being himself. Like I can just tell you with what he looks like when he is just, you know, carefree, loving everything, talking baseball, getting into the nitty gritty of it. He is back to where you expect him to be. And that's dangerous. You saw, I, I don't know if people saw this, but uh, Jordan pointed it out to me on Twitter. After crossing home plate on his homer, he gave a big old hell yeah to uh, to Gorman, who was who had scored, I guess, on the play. And so that's why he was standing there with the high five. Like, when you've got your best players playing like your best players and your presumptive ace, your presumptive best starters, pitching like your best starters, if the Cardinals can keep it going, you can see how the vibes can turn around quickly. But, Connor, I hear you. They, that 88-and-a-half bet, we'll see what ends up happening with that one. To go back to a couple weeks ago from J-Row, this team has an identity problem, was the quote. Now they seem to be figuring that out. Still unsure what it is exactly, but the identity is solidifying itself. The identity is, like, if I'm the Cardinals and I'm trying to describe my identity and my, my mission statement, it's like, we mash. We have hitters one through nine. There are no breaks in this lineup. That was a line that Brendan Donovan gave earlier in the season, and at the time it felt like it was very true, but then they went on the skid. But there are no breaks in the lineup when the Cardinals are going well. They have starting pitching that can sneak up on you. Like, that's the way I would look at the rotation moving forward if they can dial it in. You're never going to say it's the best rotation in the league. It is a rotation full of veterans that have done it before that when they are rolling one after the next, it can sneak up on you. And that could be something that frustrates an opposing team. Because if you as a Cardinals fan look at the rotation and say, this collection of guys is pretty bad, just very mediocre. Like if that's how you feel as a fan, which I, I still feel like they can be better than that moving forward. But if that's how you feel, imagine how maybe the other lineups feel looking at a series against the Cardinals coming up. They go, these guys haven't really been doing much. We just need to be on our game and get it done. But then, you know, you're scoreless into the seventh and you're like, all right, yep, that Jack Flaherty, I've seen him before. That sucks because it seems like he's back now. And then Montgomery is certainly a guy that can follow that up tomorrow. So I think the Cardinals are in a spot where they can they can sneak up on teams with the way their starting pitching uh, has been. If you're just checking the box scores and the ERAs and not knowing um, that maybe they're about to turn this corner. Their starting pitching can keep them in the games. Their offense can elevate them into the lead. And their bullpen is good enough to hold those leads. That's the identity. And identity is taking advantage of every opportunity to to score, to better your chances to win. That means doing the stuff that Contreras does in the batter's box to piss off Kenley Jansen. It means uh, making the base running play that Brendan Donovan made on, on Saturday, I think it was. It means taking the extra base. It means stealing a base from first to second to put guys in scoring position. Um, clearly, the Cardinals think it means bunting more because I'm telling you there was a meeting that happened. There had to have been about, hey, if the bunt's there, take it, because they've been bunting more than I would like to see them bunt uh, necessarily, but sometimes it's been working out. They are finding that identity, to your point, J. Rowe, and I think it's uh, it's one that is solidifying, and as long as, remember earlier in the season it was whack-a-mole. We were talking about it seemed like every night it was something different that would cost them or that would hurt them, and when you'd think, oh, hey, we've got this situation that is uh, now under control, the next situation would uh, would would go away and make things tough. And suddenly you just had to put out another fire on a different area of the roster. Now it's like 
the offense seems to be locking in. They're hitting with runners in scoring position. They're hitting in general. The bullpen's been really good. The rotation we knew was going to kind of be the thing lagging behind. But if that turns into a strength, your St. Louis Cardinals are going to be a force. That's the way I look at it. And from an identity perspective, too. Um, B. Burke says, love searing, uh, love our chances of a series win. Need the win tomorrow with Burns looming in game three. Yeah, it would be nice for the Cardinals to be able to, to win against Wade Miley, who's a lesser starter than Burns. And then you'll be able to look at it and go, Burns is, is house money at this point. Like, it's not because the difference, again, is still four and a half game deficit versus a six game deficit. But it would basically be a house money situation because the series win would have been uh, secured. And then I think that that could allow the Cardinals to loosen up a little bit going into game three um, because they'll be, at, you know, five and a half back. The worst they can be is six and a half back, which is where they are tonight. Rather than maybe you lose two in a row and suddenly you've lost ground on a team you don't get to play that many more times this season. So it's, uh, yeah, it's I think it's important uh, to see them be able to win game two. Why does it say Peralta is the winning pitcher? It doesn't. That's a wild pitch um, on the box score, which I don't know what you think about it, guys. Let me know what you think of the, the visual aspect of the stream the last couple of nights. If you like it more that I'm putting some box score stuff up there for y'all to look at instead of just me. Um, there's a lot more that I can do. I just haven't learned how to do it yet. And so that's all kind of be uh, kind of going to be coming in time. But let me know what you think. And uh, if there's any suggestions that you have, people have suggested, hey, have guests on. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that eventually, but don't necessarily count on it too soon from now um, because it's a it's a learning process. I'm just focused on getting those, those uh, 1,000 subscribers, honestly. That is the, I wake up thinking, how can I get to 1K? It's about monetizing. Yes, that's a factor in this. Um, I love you guys. I love you guys. I wouldn't do this for free for my whole life, spending an hour and a half and then another hour editing and doing stuff after the fact every night. Um, I'm doing it because I'm trying to build up my career, and so you guys can help me do so by subscribing to the channel and continuing to like and watch and all of those wonderful things. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh, tinkering with some things and trying to make it better, so let me know what you think of the new visuals um, I just like that my face is smaller, so, um, you know, when I scratch my mustache, it's less embarrassing, that kind of stuff. Um, Christopher says, Cardinals had a run differential of minus 10, and now it's plus 7. Incredible and insane. <laughs> and good to see the lineup up and down click. Like, that's the team I thought they would be at the beginning of the year, is just a lineup that you had no breaks, um, and they they collectively did not have the the approach the mentality the confidence to do it and I think now that it's back you I mean it's it's something that it's a sight to behold I'll put it that way um, how about the report that Goldie gave a speech before the Cubs series and they've won seven of eight since um, yeah I don't know if that's somebody tweeted that out I got to do a better job of tweeting after a game but I'm trying to get back home and do the stream so I, I'm trading one uh, medium for another but Wilson actually mentioned that tonight as well. I don't know if that was the first time it had been reported. I think he had told some other reporters that previously, um, but that Goldie said some words, and uh, that was a question that y'all were asking, right? Who is the guy that's going to step up in a leadership role and and not be the quiet leader, but be the guy to galvanize the troops? Um, and again, we think of Goldie as this quiet guy, but he he has his finger on the pulse of the clubhouse. I promise you he does. We've seen it time and time again. That's another example. That's another example that they've been locked in um, ever since. And I don't know what was said there, but it doesn't matter. It's it's play clean baseball, play cardinal baseball, and guys were going to come out of this, and he was right. They did. 
Connor and Astrid both say that Buzz Cut and Otto is insane. Um, yeah, it's worked for him. And I'm telling you what, he'll probably keep it buzzed for as long as this is the way things are going because uh, baseball players, they're generally superstitious. Um, Connor adds that Goldie was getting effed by some strike calls tonight. Yeah, it's hard to care about that in 18-1, to 1, but you're right. Um, <laughs> and Trevor says that uh, that proves why wins should not be a pitcher stat if Peralta can be the WP tonight. It's a wild pitch, you goofs. Uh, Gorman is on a 41, uh, 44 home run pace. And, yeah, he hardly, like, if you look at it from an at-bat standpoint and a plate appearance standpoint, the pace is probably even better than that, I would think, just because he hasn't played a ton. But, yeah, he'll hit 30, I think. My dad asked me tonight if he could hit 35, and I was like, I don't know why you came up with that number. Um, but I said he'll hit 30 this year. Again, he's bound to go through a little bit of a slower stretch, but the ones who don't, they do become MVPs. So, yeah, I guess let's see what he does. But I just don't want to put that kind of stuff out there yet. Um, but the early portion, the early returns have been very favorable. Um, yes, he should start tomorrow. That's kind of going to be what I'm watching for when the lineup comes out. Is Gorman in there against a softer pitching lefty? Doesn't throw 100, you know, doesn't throw mid-90s. It's Wade Miley. That's your opportunity to put him in there. I think they should. I really do. Um, and that's 18 ones without hashtag everyday Dylan. Hope he's healthy. Don't think he's the healthiest. Um, again, I, I think it's a little bit up in the air still what exactly it's going to look like for him, but I think it's a possibility that we see an IL stint tomorrow. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with the, the corresponding move. They've only got so many guys. You could do some math on who's on the 40 man. That's, not that that is healthy and not with the team. I think Jeff Jones put it out today that Moises Gomez that applies to him. Uh, they could go. I know people are going to say, "Hey, Luke and Baker." I'm telling you, Luke and Baker's not getting called up tomorrow. Um, would deserve the chance, but I don't. I don't see it coming. Jordan Walker is obviously the other one that's healthy. Um, but if this is going to be a short thing for Dylan, wasn't the reason they sent Walker down to get every day at bats? I and Tyler's coming back soon, so. I think that probably you don't see Walker tomorrow either, um, but we'll see what ends up happening. Ideally, Dylan doesn't need the IL, but it is a possibility that he would. Uh, Brandon said, I wasn't aware Goldie gave a speech. Uh, that's good to hear. Sounds like it lit a fire in those guys, and that's what veterans and your best players should do. Yep, he, he, there are times to be a quiet leader, but there are times, and Paul Goldschmidt does this as well as anyone, where he has the words that he he's very, you know, you know, pensive guy. He thinks the game, he knows baseball and he's able to articulate at times. And isn't it something too, to be said that when a guy doesn't talk a ton, when he does talk and he's got MVP listed after his name, it's like PhD. It's Paul Goldschmidt MVP. When he has that combination of factors, your teammates are going to listen to it and gravitate toward it. They've, they've got no other choice. So effective, effective usage of the, uh, the speech by Goldie, no doubt. Robert says, surprise, they still have three catchers on the roster, especially with Carlson banged up. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. They probably won't for long. Um, they may just be waiting for Tyler O'Neill to come back, but Brera knows the deal. He hardly played. Um, he's going to be back in Memphis soon. Uh, most likely position player to get traded for pitching. I don't think there is one because, again, here's the other thing about the position player traded for pitching. Uh, you're talking about a starting rotation piece. Who are they replacing in the rotation? I know 
what you want it to be, but it's not going to be Steven Matz if he continues pitching better. Like, he's had two good outings in a row. I won't say good. I'll say passable outings in a row. Five and a third, gave up three runs, and then, uh, or I should say gave up one run, and then the most recent was three runs. They're not replacing Steven Matz. He's under contract for two more years. If he's pitching like this, they're not replacing him. There was a time this year where I said he could be one start away from getting replaced. Um, they might have skipped a start, you know, instead. They're not replacing him. Montgomery, not replacing him. Flaherty, not replacing him, clearly. Michaelis, no. Wainwright, no. So the answer is there isn't a position player that gets traded for pitching um, unless there's some injuries that happen. And then, you know, you got to figure it. But I, I'm not talking about that because when you think about trades, they're, they're, they're a team that should trade prospects for pitching if they make a deadline acquisition because a lot of the guys that are in their, on their team are helping their team. And think about what happened with the Brewers last year when they tried to make a an MLB for MLB swap. They got some prospects as well, but they, you know, they traded Josh Hader and they got Taylor Rogers, I think it was, and he could come be their closer, but it wasn't the same. You don't take away from a winning clubhouse. I don't think that's something they're going to do. So I get the question. Y'all are playing too much MLB the show though with that question. Is my um, Maybe not so humble criticism. That's the way I look at it, though. I just don't think it's like... Now, in the offseason, totally different story, if that's what you meant um, with the question there, uh, Blue Jays rock. But in season, no, I just don't see it. They could regroup after the winter or after the, the after October and the, the playoffs and everything and say, all right, here's where we have a, a surplus and here's where we have a need. And then we maybe get into that conversation. But I don't look at anybody that's of that group and say, hey, they need to get rid of them. Because they've got guys that are playing well right now. The only guy that's not really hitting to his capability yet is Donovan. Um, but I, I think he can get there. We certainly saw it from him last year. And they don't want to trade Brendan Donovan either because his versatility and his flexibility to be able to just go out there in the outfield and do what he's doing defensively and be able to be a contributor on offense is something that is hard to find. And it's very valuable when you find it. So I don't think there's a way to answer that question. I don't think they trade a position player for a uh, pitcher. Not during the season. Felix says that Gorman is turning out better than he was forecasted or what he was forecasted to be only better. He's supposed to be an ultimate slugger with a bad strikeout rate. He's kept the power, but lost the swing and miss. He is an all-star. Yeah, he will be an all-star was my bold prediction. I'm hoping that we get to see it happen um, for his sake and for the Cardinals sake, obviously. Um, Connor, it's so funny. There will always be a mop-up guy to eat innings in every bullpen. Whether you're up or down by 10, the guy with the least talent comes in. I mean, James Neal is happy to have an MLB opportunity and it's valuable to be able to have guys that can need innings and maintain your uh, your luxury relievers, your leverage relievers on a given night. Um, so, yeah, there's value to every role, and James Neal filled his tonight uh, without a doubt. No, And he says, no offense to James E-Boy, he did well. Yeah, it was a little bit suspect there uh, <laughs> for a minute. For James Dale gave up uh, a run in the eighth, and it could have been worse, but was able to lock it in a little bit. Why am I showing my Twitter? I didn't mean to do that. Um, but yeah, that's just the way that's the way baseball be. The Cardinals still have the worst record in the NL, which is crazy. It's crazy. I believe I saw uh, where if they they could win again tomorrow, still have the worst record in the NL, but be only like a couple spots out of a playoff uh, spot, like two and a half games. Yeah, they have the worst record in the NL. Doesn't feel like it. The NL is weird right now. The bad teams have won 
more games than you thought they would recently. And the good teams, well, there's only two of them. <laughs> I think it's the Braves and uh, the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are leading the, leading the West, right? Everybody else is kind of in the middle. I mean, everybody else. And the Cardinals are in that that too. They just have more losses um, that, that are tied to their name from the beginning of uh, you know April and early May. I think the first Flaherty walk may have been because the fastball broke arm side three more inches than his average. Some of those may have been uh, paint a few inches to the left. Yeah, for the grave of Einstein, that arm side run has been a problem, and I feel like when he hasn't been able to, to hone it in in past starts, then he feels like the fastball's not doing what it should, and because of that, you can't get to the breaking pitch and have confidence in it when hitters don't really feel like they have to worry about the fastball. When they can tell you're not throwing it for strikes and throwing it with confidence, they go, okay, I'll pick a pitch. Am I going to go slider, you know, curveball? He hadn't thrown a ton of change-ups. Like, they can kind of sit on what they need to, to look for, and and voila, you know, things can end up working out. The, a change-up he threw tonight, though, would look pretty nasty. I think he should maybe do a little more of that. Um, J-Row, we need to cook. <laughs> do you expect to win? I'm sorry, one win to equal five. Yeah, no, I think he's just making a statement that they still have the worst record in the NL, which is true. But it's crazy that nobody, I mean, the Nationals have risen up. The Reds have risen up. It's it's wild. Uh, Einstein, you know how long the Cards have tried to revive Paul DeYoung? No way they give up on Wilson catching. Uh, no way the Cards give up on Wilson catching even in the worst scenario. I don't think, I don't think anybody said they would. But uh, I hear you. Yeah, they're not going to long-term give up on him. Brendan, most important question of the night, would you rather have uh, to fight 10 ferret-sized Flaherty's or one Flaherty-sized ferret? I don't want to fight either of those. Um, but but a ferret that is Flaherty-sized is certainly bigger than me. He's a, he's a big dude. Um, I don't know what to make of that. 10 ferret-sized Flaherty's would be funny. I picked that. I picked that because even if I lose, I could kind of like throw one little Jack Flaherty around and that'd be funny to me. I don't know that image because in any other context, he would, uh, <laughs> he, he, like if, if, I, if it was a boxing match between Jack Flaherty and I, I think he would respectfully decline to partake. Like he'd feel bad for me. So <laughs> that's, I didn't expect to hear that question tonight. J Rose says, hit the like button. Darn right. We got to 50. So I haven't really had to get on you guys. You guys have been awesome about that. I haven't had to beg like I do sometimes. Uh, so appreciate that. Scrolling down here. Uh, Asher, real talk, Brendan. Thank you for doing these every night. Love the streams. And if I can't watch live, you watch the following day. I hope you can find some success in doing this. Thank you very much, Asher. I appreciate that more than you know. Uh, and, and a couple of y'all said amen and agree. I'm trying. I'm trying, boys and girls. I'm trying. So thank you guys for supporting. It means a lot. Uh, Connor says cards at 500 by May 30th time is a flat circle. Yeah. Okay. So to do that, we can do a little bit of math, uh, 14 days left. I don't know. I'll, I'll assume there's like one off day in there. So 13 games, they'd have to go 11 and two to be at 500 by May 30th. Right. Um, because 10 and three wouldn't get them there. They would be. And so if it's 14 games, the, the same concept, it would be 12 and or 11 and three to go eight over in their next 14. So do I predict that? No, because that would be ridiculous. But do I predict that they could be, I don't know, within five games under 
by the end of May. Yeah, because right now they're eight under. So I think they could go plus three the rest of the month. I think they could go plus four the rest of the month. Um, but the, but it's tough, right? Like even an eight and six stretch would be a winning stretch. Um, and that would be, you know, that'd be like an 87 or 88 win pace over the course of a season, I'm pretty sure. So those things are hard to come by. But right now it feels like, you know, the world is their oyster when you win six of seven or seven of eight, whatever they've done. April felt like a bad nightmare legitimately. That's what Connor said. What about early May? That felt pretty bad too, right, guys? Um, thank you guys for the compliments, though. Appreciate that. The Cardinals 1 through 5 is actually insane. This is from Trevor. Newt, Goldie, Gorman, Nato, Wilson is crazy. And then you have DC, Paul DeYoung, PDJ, bottom of the order. Tommy Edmond is OPSing 778 in the nine hole. Like, this is top to bottom one of the very best lineups in the league. There's no way that other teams have guys in their nine hole doing what Tommy Edmond has done with a 778 OPS. Like, it's just, you're not going to find that very often. Paul DeYoung is OPSing 900. He won't, but he might OPS over 800. And that's, I mean, he's your sixth best hitter even doing that. It's special, man. Contreras needs to lock in offensively, but other than that, I think everybody's really vibing in the right direction, and he's going to be fine. You've seen him uh, make make a difference even as the OPS has kind of fallen off. Did anyone notice uh, Contreras doing some deceptive tactics behind the plate, setting a spot and then moving his glove, tap the ground, move the glove during the windup? I didn't notice that um, because I don't know what you said more of uh, Contreras as the heel from Felix. I don't know what benefit that would be unless you're talking about when there's a man on second, which rarely happened tonight. Um, but one thing that he did mention is that he felt like he started setting a better target for Flaherty after the first inning. And so maybe that was something that they were able to communicate on. But at the same time, it's like, isn't that what's so great about where their level of communication was to where it is now? Like we know that they maybe weren't on the same page and that they can feel like open enough with one another to between innings have conversations, lock in, and just, like, be good with one another. Wilson described that meeting with Jack and Wayno and Ollie as a as an, as an icebreaker for his relationship with Flaherty. We don't know everything that went on with him being benched from behind the plate, talking about Contreras, but if Wilson describes that meeting that took place in Chicago between those, uh, what, four gentlemen, Flaherty, Wainwright, Ollie, Wilson, if he describes that as an icebreaker for his relationship with Jack Flaherty, clearly there were some some fences that needed mending or uh, had never been built in the first place. But that's not the case anymore. And they both had glowing things to say about the other. So that's a great spot to be in. Um, but the target thing that Felix mentioned, yeah, that was something that Wilson said. Uh, at least he tried to set a better... Uh, more consistent target for him later on. As far as the little tactics, I'm not 100% sure on. Arenado just wanted to give everyone else a head start in the MVP race. Yeah, I thought he would be the team MVP and maybe the league MVP this year. Uh, He still could be. He would just have to go nuclear for another couple of weeks to get back to that pace because his OPS is still in the, the low to mid 700s, sitting there at 736, which is fine. I mean, he's very quickly, uh, with his numbers, making everybody forget where he was. Right, so that's an important thing. Uh, four more RBIs tonight. Where does that put him for the season? We're gonna find out. Thirty. Yeah, he's still on a pace of a hundred RBIs. Crazy. Getting the homers up. Yep, he'll be fine. 
Two stolen bases is more than I would have guessed. Not fast. Not a speedster. But he can do anything else and everything else on a baseball diamond. No doubt. Uh, Trevor makes a good point. Nolan can't give his uh, teammate that much of a head start because Goldie will run away with it. Isn't that great to see? Like, Goldschmidt's not hitting for a ton, ton of home run power this year. Um, but the OPS still at 949 for him, which last year he was, I don't know where he finished, but it was in the 900s. And, uh, yeah, the fact that he's doing what he's doing right now without a ton of power is is impressive. And by a, a ton of power, I mean home runs. Like, seven homers, that's a pace where it's close to 30, but they've played, what's their record? They're 17 and 25, is that what it is? So they're a quarter of the way through the season now. And so he's about on a 28, 29, 27 home run pace um, as I work to to get the the damn internet to work. Sorry about that, folks. Um, we'll, we'll go back to it in a minute here. But yeah, like he's not hitting like a massive home run pace. He'll hit his 30. Like he'll probably still get to 30. But for, for Goldie to be doing what he's doing OPS-wise is just is really impressive. And he did it last year, so why should I be surprised? I'm not. Michael says the Cardinals look more like looking more like the kind of lineup that can make uh, can take turns being the guy. I agree. And if you have a few different guys uh, that are guys on a given night, it can be Gorman, Arnado, and Goldie. Like all those guys going together, like they did today. It's not going to be fair to the league. It's just not. Uh, Connor happy that he put some money down on Nolan. <laughs> he said it looked like garbage preseason. Until uh, a few days ago, the defense keeps him in it every year. Yeah, I mean, he could easily end up with a 900 OPS when it's all said and done. I think he'll more be in the, the mid-850s because of the slow start. But again, he's a couple more days of hitting homers and, and going two for five or two for four or two for three with, with walks from being to 800. And then suddenly it's like you've got four months left. You can absolutely get to that point. So we'll see when it comes to his uh, MVP candidacy. But I did think before the year that that was maybe – something that could be in his future. And uh, now he's trying to build back toward that. And I think he's he's in the right headspace uh, to do it, for sure. I need another drink. Sorry, folks. I got to breathe sometimes. I get to talking too fast, and then I can't keep going. If Gorman was doing this as an Oakland A, Mo would be gone. Yeah, but Sean Murphy would be doing really well, too. But you wouldn't have Contreras, so... Those are the trade-offs, right? But, yeah, it is really interesting to think that Nolan Gorman was on that list that reportedly was given to the Athletics. Like, Carlson, I get it. Outfield influx, you've got kind of a a lot of guys there. They didn't want to trade Newt Bar. That's who everybody wanted. Uh, Yepes and Burleson, I get, because they're kind of men without homes right now in the field. Um, But the one was Gorman which kind of confirms my hypothesis from the offseason that like the like there was reason to be concerned about whether Gorman would be playing enough to like stick in the lineup if he struggled but the thing that we didn't know would be that he's not going to struggle <laughs> like and so that's why I would have said yeah I could see the Cardinals trading Gorman I did say it at times but I also thought well you'd be giving up on a guy that could be a bummer but it takes money to make money it takes talent to acquire talent but it was one of those things where I could see the writing on the wall that maybe they would sour on him if he had those stretches like he did at times last year where he lost playing time because of it, where the strikeouts still showed up, but the power wasn't there to counterbalance it. 
and what would happen if you get too many times of DeYoung coming back, playing well, Brennan Donovan hitting well, Edmund hitting well, and then, you know, having an outfielder that you need to to DH like Tyler O'Neill if he had played well to begin the season. You, you just have too many outfielders, especially if Jordan Walker shows up. Like, I didn't think the at-bats would be a given, but first, second day I was in spring training when uh, Ollie was asked, you know, who's really impressed you with what the way they've come into to camp, and he said Nolan Gorman is one of the first names off of his lips. That kind of told me, like, okay, it, this is why they didn't trade him. Turns out they maybe tried to trade him and it didn't didn't end up happening. But it made sense in that moment, like, oh, the Cardinals see a role for him that's significant. Now he's batting third against every righty they face. We'll see if he starts tomorrow, though. I think he should. We got a few more comments here uh, that I'm trying to get through more than I expected. Uh, you guys have done great, by the way. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Be Safe Daily. Uh, well, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to be able to comment. Within one minute, you can. Subscribe to Be Shaped Daily on Spotify and Apple. That was what I was going to say. Okie dokie. Finding my spot on YouTube here in the comments section. Uh, Asher, oh, Connor was asking the question. Asher, Asher was answering it. Can we get a detailed explanation of the curve versus a knuckle curve? Asher says, I believe the regular curve is more 12 to 6, meant to be a steep lateral drop. The knuckle curve is more of an arching curve. Um, I honestly, that that's probably a better explanation than I could give because I don't for sure know um, the full difference in the the way that they break differently. Um, but it's a fair question. I, I'm I'm the streamer and the writer that'll tell you when I don't know something. And in this case, I don't know the answer, so I apologize. Connor, don't look at the record. Yep, you shouldn't. But there will come a time when it will be safe to do so. No doubt. Uh, Trevor says the fastball command was so much better today. That's what he needs to have success, and it's 100% true. It really is. Um, but the uh, the curve situation was coming from Einstein, who probably he, he's he's been locked in on this pitching stuff, and he knows the stuff. Flaherty threw the knuckle curve notably more than his slider today. Um, reliance on the curve instead of the slider that made him the future uh, of Flaherty. But I feel like the slider can be a good pitch, too. But that was something that I don't think came up in the post game that he was asked about. But it, it would be interesting to know you know, and maybe it did come up, but there was a time where somebody's phone was going off and I sort of zoned out. But, um, yeah, I'm. it's interesting. I like the slider, too, though, when he's on, but that's a fair question. He's got a lot of different pitches. That's something else that makes it tough for hitters. You can't sit on any one when you know the fastball's coming and you got to respect it, and when he's got so many variations of his breaking stuff that he can that he can pull pull out and go to, it makes it really tough on a hitter. And Connor says, I don't understand why we don't just say curve for all of them. Um, same with a slider versus a sweeper. The, it's, I mean, the spin rate and the different ways that they can get in the nitty-gritty now on pitches, they can have so much data and info on them that they've they've come up with different variations. Uh, Ricky Horton was joking about this or kind of, you know, old man yells at a clouding about this on the radio the other day, the broadcast saying uh, the, I, there was a guy who said, you know, they were talking about him and said he doesn't. He's only thrown, you know, four fastballs all year. And they said, well, what's a sinker if not a sinking fastball? All the names we come up with. I do hate sweeper, though. I think it's a dumb name. Um, I would just, I, that I've just said, eh, can we just call it a slider? But when you look at the different reaction to those pitches, it is different. And so that is why they've come up with different names for it. Uh, Steve, what's going on? A, a North Carolina, Tennessee lifelong cards fan. Nice run of late if probably a strong pendulum swing to balance out the uh, the start, 
But nice to have birds baseball. It's fun to watch. Great chat show. Be safe. Thank you, Stephen. I and Steve, I appreciate you for that. Daniel throwing us a free dotum, uh, which is always welcomed on the stream. Uh, J Rose still wants Libertor. Let Matt settle in the long relief where they need it. Uh, no, it's just not going to happen. I, I I respect it, appreciate it, um, but if if Matt's continues to pitch well, they're not removing him. What will happen inevitably is the starter's going to get hurt. I know nobody wants to hear that, but it happens every year. When an injury happens, Libertor will be the call. I promise you guys. But the piggyback stuff, it's it's more stuff that we talk about on Twitter and on YouTube than stuff the Cardinals actually even are remotely close to considering. So, just telling you, it's not going to happen. Uh, trying to scroll through because I do have to get this wrapped up. I still got some writing to do, and my voice is kind of going right now. But appreciate you guys for being here. CJ says, need money to be strong. Hope last game was just a fluke. Cannot face Burns with an even series. Yeah, because you you then run the risk of losing that series for sure. Uh, and if there's a comment I scroll by, I don't get to it. Uh, feel free to message me on Twitter at for 12 guys. I want to get to everybody, um, but we've had a great chat tonight. Uh, mostly no issues, knock on wood with the uh, the technical aspect of it, so that's good. Philip, I haven't seen his comment yet, so I'm going to jump in. Uh, I'm going to try to read some of y'all that I haven't, haven't read yet as we get out of here uh, in the next 10 minutes or so. If Jack pitches similar to tonight the rest of the year, do they sign him to a deal? I'm going to say no, because if he does that, he's a Cy Young candidate. Even with the start that he had, his ERA will be below three before you know it if he keeps doing that. And uh, he probably gets a massive deal from somebody. So I think if he pitches too well to come back, like I don't know what the sweet spot is of pitches well but not too well to where the whole league is going to give him that 100 or $150 million deal uh, that he would gladly take. Will says, I'm late to the game, but is there any truth to the story that pitchers have made it known they don't want to pitch to Contreras? Um, so where you're getting that from is Bob Nightingale. That's the only place I've seen it so like definitively stated. But yes, there's truth to it in that clearly there was some some communication and some things that were were not uh, not right between the Cardinals and their their pitchers, or I should say Contreras and the pitchers. But don't it's not true that they don't want to pitch to Contreras. It's maybe true that they didn't a couple of weeks ago, but that's not the case anymore. It's over and done with. So there's no need to belabor that point, I don't think. Um, something happened. I don't know what it was, but there was some communication that clearly needed to take place, and it did. And so is it still a concern? To me, not at all, especially not after what Flaherty did with Wilson tonight. I just don't think it's a factor anymore. But I did, too, see the Nightingale article. Um, you know, I don't know anything more than what y'all know about that one. But other than everything I've said, right, that there was some communication that clearly needed to be better, like we've gotten into a lot of it. I won't rehash it all right now because I've done it tonight already. Um, but as far as whether it's still a concern, I say no. I really don't think it is. I thought I said last night, if Flaherty can have that outing where you emphatically can put the Wilson stuff to rest, that would help everybody, and he did. He had his best outing in a long, long time. All right, Scott did some math. Going into tonight, if they could go 30 and 15, they would reach the 500 market game 81 halfway. Um well, I don't think that's math is right cuz they're not 15 games under 500. They're they I mean, they were 9 under before tonight. So that math is not quite there, but I get what you're saying. Um I appreciate what you're saying. 
that might have been like uh, true a week ago when they were like 14 under, but now they're eight under. And before even before tonight, they were nine. Uh, Waka W literally picked him up three hours before he started. That's what you love to see in fantasy baseball. Scott says just keep winning series. That's all. Um, yeah. You, you, you don't lose series. You don't backslide. We said backslide is the kind of phrase of the day. That's huge. Um, Brandon asked if Flaherty's going to have a post game. <laughs> he did. I, it was hours ago, but he did. Um, see, haven't seen it posted yet, but the others have, have theirs up. Um, I don't work for Bally, so I don't know. I, that's, you know, I can't speak to that. Um, but yeah, he had one this uh, hours ago. <laughs> if it's 1am, I say he's probably not coming up, but Bo Barton, what's up, man? He says they're so back, Brendan. I think you could be right about that, Bo. Uh, Joel, welcome in. Uh, I really thought the Contreras homer was a lock to hit tonight. First game back catching team on fire. He's going to jack one in this series, no doubt. Maybe tomorrow against the lefty. Yeah, didn't do much at the plate, but he was focused on what he had to do behind it, and uh, that worked out really well for the Cardinals tonight. Uh, Robert says, after what I've seen the past week, I think O'Neill needs to go. Well, O'Neill's not even on the team right now. He's on the IL, so that's not fair. You haven't seen O'Neill at all, but you're basically saying with him they were losing and without him they're winning. Um, you have the lineup and the bench that they're comfortable with right now. Get a starter. Can't get a starter for Tyler O'Neill, Robert. I've been saying it time and time again. If you think there's a team that has a good starter that wants to trade for a guy that's struggling, I don't really, I don't really think you and MLB teams are on the same page about that. If you don't want him on the team, which I think that's a little bit too far. Like I don't think O'Neill needs to go. I think you can could help them win, shouldn't play every day if he's struggling and you've got other guys that are playing better. But just to get rid of him, I don't think so. But can't get a starter for him because the team has to want to trade you a starter for the player. So uh, right now, I, I don't think that's where things are with O'Neal. Connor, peace out, man. Appreciate you for being here. Uh, only one at all he fired if the losing continued as a way to have accountability by someone for the poor behavior. The boss needs to be accountable when expectations aren't being met. And uh, I think you're completely right. Poor performance he meant, not poor behavior, but one and the same. Yeah, and that's why it got to moments there in that in the in the throes of the the losing skid where I thought they might do it, but I still said they shouldn't. I maintained that they shouldn't because I thought we would get to this point with the St. Louis Cardinals where they'd be on the other side of it. Record wise, they're still not, but performance wise, they very much are. Um, they were never firing Ollie is is the reality, and uh, they they saw it through, and now they're able to to look back on that. I think and say hey, that was the right way to go about it. Now they still do need to win more games to get to 500 and beyond. Uh, Scotty, Grand Slam Scotty says, good morning, Brendan. Yeah, 1 a.m. where I am. I don't know where it is where you are, but it's even worse, I bet. Or even later, I should say. Uh, managed to stay awake until the 6th. Looked like you missed a lot of fun. Jack looked good after that first. Yeah, he did. He was locked in, man. It was fun to watch him. Um, pretty impressive. Tim says, hell of a night, and he's correct. Uh, Eric says, only proper way to describe this game is a gif of an alien dancing. I can get behind that. CJ says, looks good, Bubba. Still think Contreras could be a gold glove left fielder. Uh, let's let's can that that conversation, CJ. And uh, Andy says, I got you with a few subs if the numbers, uh, the number helps. The number uh, very much helps, Andy. The number is everything <laughs> to get to 1,000. I mean, the, the thing is, I can join or I can apply to join the YouTube creator program where I can begin to monetize the videos. Uh, yes, I think y'all will see some ads for that, uh, you know, that is what it is. You'll click through them. You'll say you skip ad, whatever. That's fine. Um, we all do it. But uh, I can't even get to that point where I can start to make even a dollar or two off these videos until I am at a thousand subs 
and 4,000 hours of, of watch time content on my channel, which like every time you as, as, as Eric Dieters or as CJ or as Andy watches an hour of my content, that is one watch hour. Um, a lot of videos that I put out are not an hour long. These are the, the streams are, but the videos that come out, you know, that might just be a, a five minute video. And so to get to an hour, 12 people would have to watch the whole video. But I have news for you. Most people do not watch the whole video, especially a long stream. But even a short video, they might look at it for a minute and go, this guy sucks, and they click off of it. That is the attention span uh, of folks these days. That's just the way it is. And, and if you're a content creator, you probably have experienced that. Um, but the, the, the news is 4,000 hours we're close to. We're actually, uh, after tonight, probably over 3,300 and then it's just a matter of getting a couple more uh, hundred subscribers. So, Andy, if you know people, yes, it helps. Um, I I DM my Twitter followers, guys. Some of you may have may have gotten that DM before. When I see people really interacting with me, I think maybe they'd like the YouTube. I'm just going to let them know what I'm doing, and maybe they haven't noticed it yet. And a lot of times they go, oh, yeah, I'd love to subscribe. So that's been the game for me recently. Um, The Grave of Einstein just said Gorm, which is true. And Felix is the last comment I see on here, so we'll probably try to get out of here shortly. But he says, it almost seemed like Wilson was trying to distract the batter with what he was doing behind the plate. Okay, distract the batter, which a lot of times they shouldn't really be peeking back for the sign anyway, but especially with Pitchcom, right? But peeking back for location maybe, that sort of thing. Um, I could see that, Felix. I could definitely see that being uh, potentially something that that would be prioritized by a guy like Contreras, right? So... Um, I think I've gotten through all the comments. I have got to be done right now because it's one fifteen, and I still have writing to do. So I appreciate you guys a ton for being here, for staying through the whole thing, for liking it, for subscribing to the channel. Uh, you guys have been fantastic. Anybody who's still watching that has not subbed to the channel, do me a favor. Hit sub and go right to Twitter at pshafer12 and say, I just now for the first time subscribed. Send me a message on Twitter and let me know that because I want to be very grateful to you because a lot of people maybe haven't done that. So appreciate you guys as always. Uh, I'm not going to bother plugging the Patreon tonight, but thank you guys for joining me. We'll probably be back here tomorrow. It'll be another late night affair, but uh, Cardinals win. We'll see what they do against Wade Miley and company on Tuesday. Thank you guys for being here, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shafe Daily Live. Peace.